form. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael Swede, and this is Bloodline, simulcasting on Speak Free Radio on Eurofolk Radio, and today's subject is going to be how bankers have destroyed Africa. Bankers' colonialism is the subject for today, and let's see if I can put the link back. Yes, I'll put it right there. In the chat room here. Good morning, everybody. And today's subject is something that's almost never discussed, even in patriotic circles, uh, even in uh, Christian identity. The the effect that the banking has on local and global economies, and how it pauperizes everybody. And we all know, you know, you're constantly hearing about white colonialism in Africa and around the world, but they never talk about the bankers that financed the colonialism and how when the white colonialists left, in particular Africa, the Jewish bankers stayed and are still impoverishing the African countries. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing today? Good morning, Eli. I'm doing very good here in a bit. Now it's snow here in Sweden, so it's white outside, white and a bit cold, you know, So, but it's yeah. nice. It's nice. So then we have time now to make some more shows and make Yahweh proud of us. Yeah, amen, amen. Can you imagine what it would be like if snow was black instead <laughs> of white? <laughs> we wouldn't be able to see anything, right? I would be black as, uh, yeah. Yeah, black as night. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it would be very, very boring, Mike. Oh. Right. Yeah, it would be uh, difficult to see, really, <laughs> right? So Yahweh made a good decision by making snow white, right, instead of black or some other. How about red? That that would be awful, too, wouldn't it? Okay. Yeah, or just gray sometimes. It would be so dark, everything. So it's lighting up everything. Yes. So we need to have uh, light, uh, white, white light everywhere. Okay. So let's get into uh, this story here. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll pick up on the uh, what's it's called the structural adjustment. Global issues is the website www.globalissues.org, and the title of the article is "Structural Adjustment: A Major Cause of Poverty." Now, I would have titled it this way: "Bankers' Colonialism: A Major Cause." of poverty and I, I can put it this way i don't think this article talks about it because i scanned through it uh, earlier today and it doesn't talk about the fact that the the corruption inst instituted by these bankers for example uh 
if the bankers make a huge loan to a corrupt African country, what typically happens is the black leader of that country will simply take the money loaned to his country for himself, build five or six villas and palaces, and then uh, force the people of his country to work harder to pay back the loan, right? So it doesn't benefit his people whatsoever. Right? Then I can understand that they're getting upset. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and poor, yeah. right? Yeah, and poorer too. But 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 to say something about if you take the African, if you take the Indian, they have some kind of if you compare it to them sorry now for using now some hard word, but the pathetic white race that do with the vaccines when they came, we waited in our people waited in queues for it. But in India they burned those places down instead and hunted them away. Same in Africa, they don't want it. So I, I at least read about India that they did it. They have some natural, uh, they have some for, they have some some connection, that, more connection to maybe Yao and what we uh, they are created by him, but still they abide some mind more to his law than we doing. Right, unfortunately. Well, well, yeah, popular ignorance of economics is just unbelievable. Well, first of all, it's not taught in the schools, okay, and the textbooks that are available on it really don't discuss this aspect of how well what what let me, let me ask you a question has debt has going into debt ever created prosperity for anybody <laughs> no 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 right? never maybe in a short time people think it is but they will be taken away that's how you operate they give people something a short time and then they take it back yeah. Well, if you're lucky, you borrow money, invest it in a company or in a business, and if the business succeeds, then you have profit and you can pay off your debt with the profit. But that it doesn't always work that way. In the most cases, the, these businesses fail, and the people still have the debt and have no way to pay the money off, pay it off. Okay, that's really what's going on worldwide, and. Uh, well, how about our national debt here in America? How many trillions is it? We lost count. How many trillions we owe? To whom? To whom are these debts owed, Michael? Private banks called the Rothschild, House of Rothschild in the city yes. of London. Amen. And the local branch here in America is the Federal Reserve. And I'm sure you have a local branch in Sweden, that uh, another Rothschild bank. Oh, yeah, we do. It's called Sverige, again, this deceptive word, Sveriges Riksbank or Sweden's uh, uh -huh. um, Central Bank. You, they always say Sweden. No, it's not Swedish. It is Rothschild's yeah, Central Bank. And right, here, right. the henchman and the henchman here in Sweden is Wallenberg. He is um, the agent for Rothschild here. Okay, yeah. And it works this way all over the world, folks, all over the world. Okay, so let me get... And oh, oh, one point also. We know that we have maybe two, maybe three nations today that are not under the, under the heel of the Rothschild. And that is, I guess, is Syria, it is Iran, and then I'm a bit a bit about North Korea. They yeah. are communists, so they are run probably by Jews, but are their central bank under the Rothschild? I'm a bit... Uh, yeah. I don't know if, if they are, but still. You have maybe yeah. three nations or two nations that are not under the Rothschild, and they are yeah. also always perpetrated as the big enemies. Right, 
of the West, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> the, and the world, right. of course. Right. Oh, how about Gaddafi? Remember what happened to Gaddafi when he uh, tried to institute a gold-backed currency and gave um, young married couples $20,000 to start their lives and uh, tax breaks if they have children? Oh. Uh, gee, you know, isn't that good? It's Isn't very good, but, uh, yeah. but come on, but maybe someone get see this in the other nations. Why we want this too, and it starts to spread. And Gaddafi, right. yeah, he, oh, yeah. and he implemented some, some of his also of his actions, as you say. That was the same that uh, Hitler did in Germany during the thirties and forties. Oh. Oh, they did like okay. the same also. They got cut, uh, cut on the taxes, and they got uh, benefits for having many children. Right. Well, uh, Hitler got Germany out of debt. Did he not? He did. That was his only crime. That That's he took right. Germany out of the of the uh, Fed of the Rothschild central banking system. By then, it was the gold standard. That's right. why gold standard won't solve anything either, because all the gold, yeah, Rothschild had yeah. all the gold. That's so they right. manipulate that too. <laughs> That's yeah. the problem. Gaddafi did have gold, and he was able to back his currency with gold, and the Rothschilds cannot allow that to happen. No, okay. no, no, no. And yeah. he also was like a buffer so not the, all the African immigrants could come in here into Europe and, and molest our women and destroy right. our nation. Now it happened. It's free open. Before, Gaddafi was a, he was a gate. He stopped that. Yeah. So he was, he was an honorable man, I must say. He, and he was loved by his people, what he did. He yeah. was so loved by his people. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Brother Abear says, if you pay $31 extra a month, a dollar for every day of the month on mortgage, you'll kill the interest. Well, most people don't have that extra $31, right? They're living, they're living hand to mouth, as we say here, or paycheck to paycheck. And they're lucky if they can pay all their other bills besides the mortgage, okay? So, but yeah, if you can manage to pay off the interest on your debt, but you know, the way they structure a mortgage is it's it's multiple interest, okay? It's compound interest uh, that is prefigured when they make you the loan. So even though you only, let's say, you need to borrow 10000 to buy the house, with the compound interest, the loan becomes 30000 okay? So the the loan is already got the interest payments figured into it, and your interest with compound interest is twice what the loan is worth. Okay, that's how the bankers do it, and this is how they keep us enslaved. Uh, debt is slavery, folks. Debt is slavery, and it's worse than chattel slavery because oh, okay, um, all right. So we got a problem uh, on. Uh, Telegram can only hear me and not uh, Michael. All right, so I tell you what, Michael, go ahead and uh, uh, go ahead and start reading from this article. I'll see if I can fix the problem on Telegram in the meantime. Go ahead. Okay, so this is the article called "The Structural Adjustments: A Major Cause of Poverty" by Anup Shah, um, and it starts with a quote. Debt is an efficient tool. It ensures uh, access to other people's raw materials and infrastructure on the cheapest possible terms. Dozens of countries must uh, compete for shrinking ex export markets and can export only a limited range of products because of northern uh, protectionism. 
and their lack of uh, cash to invest in um, diversify diversification. Market um, saturation ensures reducing exports income to a bare minimum, while the North enjoys huge savings. The IMF cannot seem to understand that investing in healthy, well-fed, um, literate population is the most intelligent economic choice a country can make. End of quote. Okay. Right. The healthy, well-fed, literate population. Oh, you can't have that. <laughs> no, and that's what I was thinking. This yeah. go in uh, this. The, this doesn't match the the bankers and IMF is of course also the no. international monetary fund. is also a branch of the Rothschild, I yes. guess. Yeah, right. And so, uh, forget about protectionism. It doesn't mean anything. The, the bankers rule the roost, and whatever the um, and whatever the bankers decide for an economy, that is what. The uh, you know, what will, will happen? Doesn't matter what the government does. Does uh, all of these uh, side issues like protectionism? Well, actually, protectionism is good because the uh, America became the most powerful country on the face of the earth by protecting its indigenous industries. All right, that did that did not hurt the global economy. Because no. what, what happens is, well, eventually the other countries will latch on to our, uh, our system of doing things, which is called the American system, which is free enterprise capitalism, not bankers capitalism, but free enterprise capitalism. That's the difference. Okay. So, uh, yeah, please continue. And, you know, again, here, let me just, I'm going to have to go on a real quick explanation here. The difference between free enterprise capitalism is when the government controls the, the currency and has uh, and spends the, like gold and silver coins into circulation. Now, people can write checks off of whatever bank account they have, whether they have gold and silver in their account doesn't matter. You can write checks. And so you don't have to carry a bag of gold or silver to pay your debt or your, uh, what do you call it, you know, the person you owe money to, uh, off, okay? So, uh, but uh, that doesn't create interest. That doesn't create debt. Gov when the government controls or issues the currency, no debt is incurred. But when the bankers issue the money, the currency, that is when debt automatically occurs and accrues, not on behalf of the state, but on behalf of the bankers. This is the basic economics 101 debt, how debt is created. And that's the difference between a pri private banking economy and a national economy that creates its own currency. And that's what our Constitution expressly states that uh, the government should issue the currency, not private bankers. Okay, that's the major difference. Okay, back to you. Yes, and also with um, uh, when you have this kind of you have now, because then the, the beauty with the system that you started up with in America is that uh, uh, what do you say a business practice that is not uh, what do you say it's not working, it will uh -huh. collapse. Yes. And, and it and it dies out. But what do we do now when banks getting too big to fail? The government's going to do bail out. 
right. on them. And right. because their system doesn't work, because their business practice don't work. And then they get money from the government because their business practice is wrong. So that is also, but that is pure, that is communist to do like this, socialism. Right, right. Okay. All right, uh, please continue. Uh, I'm still working on getting uh, your vocal onto <laughs> Telegram. Uh, okay, so men... Okay, good. good. So many developing nations are in debt and poverty, uh, partly due to the policies of international institutions such as the, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and the World Bank. Mm-hmm. And that is just Jewish uh, creation yeah. by the Rothschild. Right. Their programs have been heavily criticized uh, for many years for resulting in poverty. In addition, for uh, developing or third world countries, uh, there has been an increased dependency on the richer nations. This is uh, despite the IMF and World Bank's claim that they will reduce poverty. No, you create poverty by the reaction. This uh-huh. like the, this, if you say, uh, um, metaphor could be, you don't, if you want to learn someone to, to fish, you don't give him the fish. You give him the, <laughs> the fishing rod right. so he can learn to fish. Same here. You don't give them like this because then they will get dependent and they can do nothing. They they will right. they don't develop anything. Yes, yeah. So, but of course, banking is designed to enslave people to that economic system, so that you can never get free of it. So that you can never get free of it, and this is what people don't understand. It's intrinsically slavery. It's designed to enslave people to the bankers' uh, money manipulation tactics. That's all it is. Okay. All right. Okay, back to you. Yeah. So following an ideology known as uh, neoliberalism and uh, spearheaded by these and other institutions known as the, quote, Washington Consensus, and no quote, Bracket for being based in Washington, D.C., and no bracket. Structural adjustments policies, bracket. SAPs and no bracket have been imposed to ensure debt uh, repayment and economic restructuring. But uh, the way it has hap- happened has required poor counties to reduce spending on things like health, education, and development, while debt repayment and other economic uh, policies have been made the priority. In effect, the IMF and World Bank have demanded that poor nations lower the standards of living of their people. Right. There you go. Yes. Okay. The inevitable consequence of doing business with bankers is that the standard of living of the people declines rapidly. Okay. It does not improve. You know, so what's the solution offered by the international bankers for poverty in any country? Well, they give them a big loan, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, how does that work in Africa, in South America, uh, here in America? Has that worked anywhere? No, it gives them no. – the, they are even further into depth and they're more – even further close to the bottom of right. no return. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, there's this uh, list of green uh, uh, bullet points. Let me uh, skip those. I'll just go <laughs> to, I'll, I'll read the next section here. A spiraling race to the bottom. 
Uh, details further below, the IMF and World Bank provide financial assistance to countries seeking it, but apply a neoliberal economic ideology or agenda as a precondition to receiving the money. For example, well, neoliberal uh, uh, communist, I would say it's communist, right? You have to... Uh, uh, turn the uh, people of, of that country into worker drones to produce more stuff so uh, waste their natural resources so that they can pay the debt. Okay? Here, here's their bullet points. They prescribe cutbacks, that is, quote-unquote, liberalization of the economy and resource extraction slash export-oriented open markets as part of their structural adjustment. In other words, Free trade. Well, what is free trade really? Free trade, uh, uh, free trade is in fact the uh, it, it creates a middleman. That is the international bankers. It creates a middleman uh, that uh, all trade must go through. Okay, that's that's how the Jews get their cut from the exporting country to the importing country. It doesn't go directly from one country to the other. It goes, okay, it goes through the uh, the bankers. And, and uh, right, okay, so yeah, please continue because I'm still I'm still working on getting Telegram the Telegram feed proper. Please continue there. Okay. Uh, now let's see. Yeah, I just, I just read the first bullet point. Oh, you did? Okay. Now we're thinking. Okay. The role of the state is minimized. Uh, privatization is encouraged as well as reduced uh, protection of uh, domestic industries. Other adjustments policies also include uh, currency devaluation, increased interest rates, quote, flexibility, end of quote, of the labor market and the eliminations of subsidies such as food subsidies. To be attractive to foreign investors, various regulations and standards are reduced or removed. The impact okay. yeah. of these preconditions uh, on poorer counties can be devastating. Um, Factors such as the following lead to further misery for the developing nations and keep them dependent on develop, developed nations. Poor countries must export more in order to raise enough money to pay off their debt in a timely manner. Yeah. <laughs> timely, right. <laughs> Because there are so many nations being asked or forced into the global marketplace before they are economically and socially st uh, stable and ready, and told to concentrate a similar uh, cash uh, crops and commodities as other. The situation resembles a large-scale uh, price war. Then, the resources from the poor regions become even cheaper, which favors consumers in the West. Governments Uh, then need to increase export just to keep their currencies stable bracket, which may not be uh, sustainable either, and bracket, and earn foreign exchange uh, with which uh, to help pay off debts. Uh, governments therefore must spend less, reduce consumption, remove or decrease financial regulations, and so on. 
Over time, then, the value of labor decreases, capital flows become more volatile, a spiral race to the bottom then begins, which generates social unrest, which in turn leads to IMF riots and protesters around the world. <laughs> right. Okay. So bank borrowing money from bankers leads to riots. Yeah, right? yeah, because yeah. Uh, then they will be competing on paying off the the what, the interest because you have created the the, in, the money for the interest doesn't exist. Yes, that's right. That's right. It, the debt is increased dramatically because the, you're borrowing money that it can't must be created somehow, and that causes inflation. Once that money is created and spent into circulation by the bankers, that creates inflation. So you have this this endless spiral of money creation, inflation, and debt, never ending until what? And maybe until a crash happens, right? And then it starts all over again. Yep. Yep. And um, uh, this, uh, as you say, also this is also something that people generally don't understand. This, as you said, uh, this with um, that how inflation is created because they don't really tell you how it is created. But it says, as we say, when you generate more money, when when the banks generate more money uh, and spend it in circulation, then you increase the infla- inflation rates. And that's always the one, the, the first one that uses the money have that power. Then everybody else will be affected by the the, the, the ri- rising inflation, inflation rate. And it's always right. the bankers that have that power. That's right. And that is, that's almost like God. <laughs> that's the kind of power the bankers have with uh, debt, with debt money and money creation. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, okay, let's continue. These nations are then told to peg their currencies to the dollar, but keeping the exchange rate stable is costly due to measures such as increased interest rates. Investors obviously uh, con- concerned about their assets and interest can then pull out very easily if things get uh, tough. In the worst cases, capital uh, flight can lead to economic collapses, such as we saw in the Asian global financial crisis of 1997-98-99, or in Mexico, Brazil, and many other places. During and after a crisis, the mainstream media and free trade economists lay the blame on emerging markets and their government's restri- restrictive or inefficient policies, crony capitalism, etc., which is a cruel irony. When IMF uh, donors keep the exchange rates in their favor, it often means that the poor nations remain poor and get even poorer. Even the 1997-98-99 global financial crisis can be partly blamed on structural adjustments and early overly aggressive deregulations for emerging economies. Millions of children end up dying each year. Mm -hmm. And here we have a quote. Quote, competition between companies involved in manufacturing in developing countries is often ruthless. We are, <laughs> we are seeing what uh, 
course then described as quote a race to the bottom which <laughs> uh, with each passing day it becomes more difficult to obtain contracts from one of the me- uh, mega retailers without hiring child labor cheating uh, uh, workers on overtime pay imposing merciless uh, quotes and operating unsafe practices and though quote right so all of the evils that are attributed to white colonial colonialism are actually caused by Jewish banksterism. Yep. Okay? Yes, that's, that's a very good uh, yeah. uh, summarization. Yes. All right, please continue. And this quote was from John uh, Madeli, Big Mrs. Poor People, the impact on transnational corporations on the world poor. Um, so this is one of the backbone to today, so-called quote free and unquote trade in this form as a result it is seen by some as unfair and one way or uh, extra um, extra tra- 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 list if also serves to maintain unequal free trade as pointed out by uh, G.V. Smith as a result, uh, pol- uh, policies such as structural adjustment have, uh, described by Smith, uh, contribute to, quote, the greatest um, peacetime transfer of wealth from the per- um, uh, periphery to the imperial center in history, end of quote, uh, to which we could add without much media attention. No, of course, right. of course. <laughs> oh, no, we can't have media attention. <laughs> we can't have that. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, bingo. This is, this is the knowledge that everybody needs to have about the way the global economy is run. And you're not going to get it from your college textbooks. You're not going to get it from mainstream media. You're not going to get it from the famous economists that uh, have all kinds of, you know, videos and lectures and seminars. You're not going to get it from them because they're all employees of the same system. Yeah. Right. And they, and they don't want to ruin the system because then they, they have their oh. probably big, big pay. So why ruin it? They don't want to ruin yeah, it. There you go. No, no, they're they're wallowing in the uh, debt debt uh, accumulation. You know, they get paid by this debt accumulation, and then the, the world suffers. Yeah, well, this is why we have periodic crashes. You have to have a crash every once in a while, and of course, these are arranged so that the banksters themselves suffer the least. They suffer the least. Everybody else suffers tremendously uh, during these crashes. Right. But because the the bankers have so much money in reserve, they can spend their way. Actually, what happened in America uh, during the Great Depression was the bankers foreclosed on the American farmer and on the small local banks. They put the farmers out of business and by by uh, bankrupting them and they put the small bankers local bankers out of business so when the crash was over the the bankers simply spent money into circulation to create po- prosperity okay artificial prosperity and they bought up those farms for pennies on the dollar and they simply put those other banks out of business and now the federal reserve system has taken over the economy completely that was the true purpose of the crash of 29 it was not an accident folks it was deliberate back to you 
Yeah, and then they took all the farms from your from your people, and your, they were enslaved. And then they call it. I think they also wasn't then. Also, they start with those uh, personal ID to taking people's uh, when, like in Sweden, where you're born, you're getting this personal uh, number, personal number they put, and that is like the oh, right. uh, their their little stamp on you that you. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, your birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, exactly that one. That's the word I was looking for. Right, that's your personal number, right? Well, here we have a social security number as well. I'm sure just about every country in the world now has a similar type of system, like a social security number. Your personal number, right? Right, as opposed to your name. Okay, but they even they actually even invest in. Well, they invest in your birth certificate. Your birth certificate becomes. A, uh, you know, a a lean on your future earnings, okay? So the right to tax you basically is what they use the birth certificate for. All right, please continue. Yes, so maintaining dependency and poverty. One of the many things that the powerful nations bracket through the IMF, World Bank, etc., and bracket prescribe is that the developing nations should open up to allow more imports in and exports more of their commodities. However, this is precisely what contributes to poverty and dependency. Okay. Um, And here's a quote. If a society spends $100 to manufacture a product within its borders, the money that is used to pay for materials, labor, and other costs moves through the economy as each uh, recipient um, spend, uh, spends it. Right. Uh, due uh, to this multiple effect, a $100 worth of primary pr- uh, production can add several hundred dollars to the gross national product, uh, bracket, GMP, and the bracket uh, of the country. If money is spent in another country, circulating of that money is within the exporting country. This is the reason an industrialized product exporting uh, commodity importing country is wealthy and and undeveloped uh, product importing co- commodity exporting country is poor. Okay, well, that's just one of the reasons, okay? The, so, in other words, the wealthy countries, the, the so-called West, okay, are the, the first world, the industrialized first world, uh, because we are able to go into third world countries, second, third, and fourth world countries, and pay very cheap labor rates and to, to child labor to dig up lithium, right, for lithium batteries, for Elon Musk and other companies, right? Pay, pay next to nothing for the child labor there that uh, they can import this material, which uh, the importation fee is very minimal as well. And then once it arrives at the industrial facility to turn it into batteries, that's where the main cost comes in. But even there, they can do that in China. They can do that in Indonesia. They can do that in Africa as well by setting up factories there instead of having to import them into the West. So gradually, the industrialized West ceases to become 
a manufacturing concern and is simply moving products around, <laughs> right? The whole industrial West now has become a middleman for all these cheap goods coming from the third world. So how long do you think this system, uh, what's the likelihood of this system improving the lot of the third world? No, they, they, that's history proven. They, they don't improve it. They make it worse for them. And they create dependency and they are worse off than what they were before. Yes, absolutely worse off, right? That's why we need periodic crashes, okay, for, for uh, this, this whole system, okay? Periodic crashes are an absolute necessity. They have to start over. And then they, what, what do they do? They blame it on global warming, right? See, yeah. global warming caused the collapse of the economy, right? Yeah, okay. well, it's kind of, yeah, that's the only one to tax us even further and put people into those concentration camps or call it 15-minute cities. That is just a nicer word to say concentration camp because that's what that yeah, is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. <laughs> but it wouldn't sell so good if, if they call it concentration camp. So let's call it something nice, something people like. 15-minute city sounds good. Now right. we're talking about yes. marketing and who was the father of marketing. He was also a Jew. He was like a cousin to to Freud. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and keeping the people drugged up. You know, so here, allopathic medicine, which is also controlled by the international Jew. Uh, here in America, it's totally controlled by the Rockefellers. That uh, keeping people drugged up, uh, miss. Uh, well, misfed, for lack of a better term, with, with uh, food that has no nutrition, you know, sugar, fat, and salt, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, sugar, salt, and fat is uh, the, the staple of American diet here, and uh, there's no nutrition. They, they, they remove the nutritional ma uh, value of the food, so you're constantly getting sick. So the sicker the population, the less able they are to think for themselves, the less time they have, uh, they have to scrounge around to make money to pay their debt, the less time they have to read for themselves and figure out what's wrong with the world. And then they offer the solution, namely Donald Trump uh, and or Joe Biden, right? So uh, everything is placed before our eyes. Their solution is placed before our eyes, but they're the ones creating the problems and nobody can figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. Only those of us in Christian identity have a clue as to you know the Jewish nature of the problem and how it works and how the world has been enslaved by debt money, by usury, folks. And this is usury by God's chosen people who are supposed to be obeying Yahweh's laws, right? Yeah, but the Jews don't do <laughs> Jews don't do it. Come on, this is just a, just a cover screen for them. Yes. Okay. Okay. So let's continue then. Yes. Yeah. So developed countries grow rich by selling capital intensive, bracket, thus cheap, and bracket, products for a high price and buying labor in intensive, bracket, thus expensive, and bracket, products for a low price. This imbalance of uh, trade expands the gap between rich and poor. The wealthy sell products uh, to be consumed, not tools uh, to produce. There you go. This maintains the monopolized of the tools of production. 
and assures a continued market for the product. Bracket. Such control of tools of uh, production is a strategy of the mercantilist uh, process that control often requires military might. Oh, there bracket. you go. Mercantilist process. There's your colonialism, right? And, uh, you know, since since the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund have such an easy time corrupting the leaders of these third world and fourth world countries, that uh, th- there's really no impediment to this process. But there's really no impediment to this process in the first world either, because all you have to do is bribe a politician, bribe Congress to borrow more money, right? That's all you have to do is bribe the Congress critters to borrow more money from guess who, right? You yeah, the same the, people. Yeah, you named the Jew. Guess yeah. who, all right? This is this this process works so effortlessly, so seamlessly, and it's never discussed in any news outlet ever. Or in, uh, I remember when I studied economics, like when I came back from Vietnam, you know, you had to take a bunch of uh, courses from different uh, you know areas to get your degree, and so I had to take a couple of economics courses, and the main course. Uh, main textbook for the economics course was Paul Samuelson. Can you guess what tribe he's from? <laughs> Paul Samuelson. You wish? Paul, yep, yep. Paul Samuelson, a, a, a three-inch thick book called Economics. That was the title of the book. And in that book, there's only two paragraphs about the Federal Reserve. The rest is nothing but economic gobbledygook for people who think that this is, you know, this this is not an explanation of the economy. It's simply economic theory promoted as fact, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what you have in the colleges, folks. That's what you have in the colleges. It's garbage. Yeah, and yeah. as I say, it's a theory, and a theory is not proven to be true. It's just a theory. That's right. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and every theory, even scientific theories, nuclear physics included, has always been, had to be adapted to new uh, new discoveries. No theory has ever stood the test of time. Okay. That's why you got to have truth instead of theories, right? You have to have truth instead of theories. But we'll never get truth because even the, you know. Well, like, for example, CERN, you know, the, the so-called God particle. There is no such thing. That's just a word, a concept they throw out to the public to make them think, oh, that these scientists really are going to figure out what's going on and know how the universe works. No, they don't. They're not even close because <laughs> Yahweh has prevented them from getting that information, right? It, it's called it's called quantum mechanics. There's a limit to uh Human, what humans can uh, know about the universe, okay? And that that's designed by Yahweh, so we can't we can't destroy the whole universe. Maybe we can destroy planet Earth, but we can't destroy the whole universe, right? The Jews would love to, but they they can't, okay? So uh, this is where we're at, folks. It's so it's so bizarro. This is this might as well be an episode of the Twilight Zone, which it is. All right, please continue, Michael. 
Yes, thank you. So, and this quote was with J.W. Smith, The World's Wasted Wealth. And, as seen above as well, one of the effects on structural adjustments is that developing countries must increase their export. Usually, commodities and raw materials are exported. But, as Smith noted above, poor countries lose out when they export commodities, bracket, which are cheaper than finished products, and bracket, are denied or effectively blocked from industrial capital and real technology transfer and import finished products bracket which are more expensive due to the added labor to make the products from these commodities and other resources and no no bracket this leads to less circulating of money in their own economy and a smaller multiplier effect yet this is not new historically this um, has been um, partial reason for dependent economists and poor nations. This was also the role enforced upon former countries under imperial and colonial rule. Those same third world countries find themselves in a similar situation. This can also be described as unequal trade. Right? <laughs> well, okay. So the whole process, it's all promises. is free trade. It's promises. But what it really means is that the Jews are free to exploit the West's economy and import stuff from poor countries at very low prices, get their cut as middlemen, and then export these to Western industrialized economies. All right. So, so instead, in fact, a perfect example of this happened about 10 years ago in the Philippines where the free trade economy, which is a globalist, all that means is globalism, and the Jews are the globalists. They prevented uh, farmers in the Philippines from selling their product locally to other Filipinos. They had to put it on the international market, which meant the Jews were now in control of the commodity, which they in turn sold back to the Filipino consumer for a much higher price than they would have paid if they bought it directly from Filipino farmers. Yep. That's how it works, folks. That's called free trade, folks. uh, What what did uh, Brother Abraham talk about, the the, uh, uh, pig Latin? (laughs) The the false glossa, false language, false definitions of things? All they have to do is redefine words, and they confuse us. They make us think that up is down, left is right, poor is rich. Yes, and they make yeah, and they make uh, everything that is immoral, everything that is contrary to, to Yahweh and His yeah. laws, to be something good. So that, but that is Satan's way. He always wants to do it Satan's way. That's right. Yeah, the, to make things which are good seem evil and make that which is evil seem good. And boy, have they succeeded at that. Okay. All right. Please continue. Yes. Let's uh, go back to the article. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, quote, um, at first glance, it may seem that the growth in develop development of export goods such as coffee cotton, sugar, and lumber would be beneficial to the exporting countries since it brings in revenue. In fact, it um, represents a type of exploitation called unequal exchange. 
A country that exports raw or unprocessed materials may gain currency for their sale, but they lose it if they import processed goods. The reason is that the uh, processed goods, goods that requires additional labor, are more uh, costly. Thus, a country that exports lumber but does not have the capacity to process it must then re-import it in the form of finished lumber products at a cost uh, that is greater than the price it received for the raw products. The country that uh, processes that material gets the added revenue contributed by its labors. Uh, okay. Bracket emphasis. Okay, and okay. this was from Richard Robbins: Global Problems and the Culture of Capitalism. Yeah. Now, don't blame capitalism because uh, remember, there's two types of capitalism. There's finance capitalism, which is run by the Jews. That's a global form of capitalism in which the Jews issue the currency for trade. The true capitalism, that is free enterprise capitalism, cuts the bankers out. Okay, so what this quote fails to acknowledge also is the additional cost of goods due to borrowed money. So the the processor, let's say it's in uh, uh, Europe, okay, Sweden. Sweden is a great processor of lumber, okay. Usually they get their own lumber, but let's say they import lumber from Africa and they process it. And the company that does the processing borrowed money from some Jew to set up the factory. Well, that increased cost goes to the consumer. Now you send this piece of lumber back to Africa. It costs 100 times more than if they had processed them themselves. Okay. Free enterprise would cut out the Jew banker. That's why the Jew bankers hate free enterprise. That's true capitalism, folks. And through Glossa, they have redefined capitalism to to make people believe that the only form of capitalism is bankers' capitalism, finance capitalism. All right? So by redefining words and creating new words that make no sense, right? But but that's their cold language, their dog Latin. They, they simply fool people into thinking that there's no other system besides this. And in the third world, what do they know besides poverty? No matter how much money the country borrows, they never get out of the poverty trap. It actually gets worse the more money the, the, the country borrows. All right, back to you. Yeah, because if they would um, produce the lumber and and re- then the money would would run in their own nation, that would be, uh, that's it, right. That would increase the GDP. But now they are exporting it; they're doing the lowest form. But but when when you yeah. making um added value to it, you also add to your economy. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes. So there's no added value to exporting you know unprocessed goods, you know, like gold, silver, whatever, your lumber. You, you, you're just getting the lowest rock bottom uh, pri- price for that type of commodity. And that doesn't benefit the economy at all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's continue. Please continue. Yeah. Um, so exporting commodities and resources is seen as favorable to help earn foreign exchange uh, with which to pay off debts and keep currencies stable. However, partly due to the prices, um, to the price war scenario mentioned above, commodity prices have also dropped furthermore. Reliance on just a few commodities make countries even more vulnerable 
to global market conditions and other political and economic influences. As uh, uh, Gemini News Service also reports, uh, talking to the World Bank. Uh, no, this, oh, yeah, quote. quote. More than 50 developing countries depend on three or fewer commodities for over half of their export earnings. 20 countries are dependent on commodities for over 90% of their uh, total foreign exchange er- earnings, says the World Bank. End of quote. Okay. And can and this one can lay low. Yeah. yeah. Market uh, cure proposed for third world battered farmers. Yep, farmers are the most battered people always. Because yeah, because they, uh, yeah, they get the starvation wages is basically what they get. They're better off just growing food for themselves. <laughs> yeah, they right? are. They yeah. are, and that's because the Jews hate farmers. Even if that's they are, right. if there are some other race, they hate them also. Palestinians, Amen. for sure, they hate them too because they're farmers and they are cursed. They cannot farm. No, no. No, and you know, and we white people have tried to go to Africa to teach blacks how to farm, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. They don't have the incentive. They are not able to look into the future to to see. Oh, I have to plant these crops now so that I can har- in the fall, so I can harvest them in the spring. Right? No, the blacks just don't think that way. The blacks are conditioned to have instant gratification. You want food, you go out in the woods and you pick up some grubs, some some turnips and some carrots. And if you're really hungry, you kill a lion right? and have, have some chopped lion meat for, for dinner, right? That's the way they think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do for them. And this is why the West, uh, the colonial experiment, whether it's white colonialism or bankers' colonialism, will never work. And this is why it's actually best to have white colonialism, because the white people can put these people to work where otherwise they wouldn't work. And and their societies suffer, you know, because we're supposed to be a blessing to the whole world, right, by putting people to work. They get more money from working for white colonialists than they do from Jewish banker colonialists, without a doubt. And okay. isn't this also something that those uh, some African leaders and people have said that it was better yes. under, under white people than what there it you now? Go, yeah. Even uh, what's a uh, what's that country north of South Africa? Uh, their leader Desmond Tutu, I think. Uh, well, he said, uh, let, "Let's bring those white farmers back, <laughs> right?" Because our economy was better when we had whites in charge of the farming and, and other things as well. Okay? Uh, a tacit admission that uh, white people are better at uh, you know, exploiting. You know, exploiting is the correct word. Or utilizing commodities. Right? And typically, for example, in, um, in the Canadian North, dur- during colonial days here in America, the uh, even the biggest companies that were uh, getting raccoon pelts for, you know, the Davy Crockett hats, right, and exporting pelts to Europe, they were actually very careful not to destroy all the raccoons. They were very careful to make sure that uh, they kept a supply of raccoons for future markets, right? So whereas other people in other countries, let's say in Africa and India, they will kill all the rhinos and the elephants for the ivory, and then guess what? There's no more ivory. Yeah, nothing left. I mean, that's the 
Uh, that's the problem. They don't see, as you say, they don't see longer. They only yeah, the want future. now the future. The instant, as you said, gratification is the problem. Yes, that's the problem. And they, you can't drive that out of the black community. And, to, and that's also true in Asia and other countries where, you know, oh, yeah, in Asia, the you know, saber-toothed tiger tusks. You know, exterminating a species for their, you know, for their body parts, essentially. And also for the certain parts of the animals are used as aphrodisiacs. So they, they kill a whole animal for a small body part and then throw the rest away. This yeah, is that's... how, yeah, this, this is how the world economy works when it's not run by white people, folks. Okay. Yeah, and, and that is what is described. It was described. It's shown now that uh, and, and the man cannot rule rule over man. We see it now when Jews try to rule, they get to, uh, they are totalitarian. They want this despot king to uh, right. to rule this world. Yeah. Now, in addition, uh, from this, uh, yeah, let me just read this paragraph again. Uh, more than fifty percent of Africa's export earnings is derived from a single commodity. Now, what happens? When that commodity runs out. Yeah, they have nothing. <laughs> and then they have nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. The old saying, give a, give a man a, uh, you know, uh, what, do you call, what do you call it? Uh, a tool, anyway, as opposed to you know, just giving him the food, give him the tool to create the food, you know, then you really help that person. But that doesn't work in Africa because the blacks don't want to farm. I mean, why? The white farmer in South Africa has fed the black people of South Africa for generations. What kind of gratitude have these blacks showed to white South African farmers? None. None. Absolutely none, folks. Okay. They must be ruled over. They cannot rule themselves. Back to you. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, okay. And then uh, now, did you read this quote? No. Uh, no. So this, okay. So this is this, the, the quote. Then. Uh, no, the quote I did read. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, okay. Uh, almost, okay. Uh, so uh, almost four years after the bar was written, Oxfam reveals that things have not changed yet for the better. More than 50% of African export earnings is derived from a single commodity. Various right, countries go. are dependent on two commodities for the vast majority of their export earnings. And there are a number of other countries in Africa heavily dependent on very few commodities. Right. In addition, as Celine Tan in the Third World Network explained. Okay. And this is then the quote. Should I read the quote and then we have a little, should we have a break then by by this yeah, by the top yeah, of the hour? Good. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's do that. And then we're also planning on taking calls uh, after thirty minutes uh, before thirty minutes to the end of the show. But yeah, I'll go ahead and quote this passage and we'll take a break. Yeah. So quote: falling bracket commodity and bracket prices have meant that large increase in export volume by commodity producers have not translated into greater export revenues, leading to severely declining terms of trade for many commodity-producing uh, countries. When the um, purchasing power of a country's uh, export decline, a country is unable to purchase imported goods and service necessary for its sustenance, as well as uh, generating income for the 
implementation of sustainable development programs. Okay, what's the sustainable development? Isn't that the catchword of the UN? <laughs> yeah, UN agenda, right. agenda twenty thirty. They should. Uh, it's really called sustainable usury. Yeah, right. yeah. Back to you. Yeah. And this agenda 2030 is, is basically just ma- making it look fun to build your concentration camp. <laughs> right. It's, it's fun to charge interest and pauperize people. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, a vast majority of developing countries depend on commodities as a main source of revenue. Primary commodities account for about half of the export revenues of developing countries and many developing countries continue to rely heavily on one or two primary commodities for the bulk of their export earnings. And this was uh, Selin Chan. Uh, Tracking the commodity price crisis should be a WSD priority. Okay, should we have a little... Yeah, okay, so I just want to say this is article is from 2002, and it's, it's not getting any better, folks. It can't possibly get better because you can see the how the process works. Anytime a country borrows money to export commodities without creating any kind of infrastructure for manufacturing, that country is going to go broke again, right? And that, but they'll still be in debt to the banksters. They'll never get out of the debt spiral. This is why the international Jew must stage and plan global uh, crashes so that they can cut their losses where they need to, but still make as much money. Because every time the Jew plans a crash, they always profit on both ends. They profit from you know the fact that they have all this money in the first place, and then they profit from uh, whatever... Uh, you know, the investors invested, they retain that, but the investor loses it, okay? That's how these crashes work. They are manipulated. They are caused by the international Jew. And there's also other things involved, you know, like, for example, as we talked about in the American crash in 1929, they foreclosed on the American farmer and shut down the comp- competing banks, to the Federal Reserve System. There's always more than one objective every time they crash the economy. Okay, folks, so uh, I hope you're learning (laughs) true economics here because you're not going to get this from any other source than Eurofolk Radio, folks. Nobody else will do this. Okay, so here we go. We're going to play this song, and we'll be back in about four minutes.
he'd better come back soon because I'm getting tired of waiting, folks. I'm getting really tired of waiting. <laughs> so, uh, hold on. Okay. Let the music do the talking. All right. So, welcome back, everybody. And I just want to let everybody know, first of all, that uh, you're listening to Speak Free Radio. And there's a new addition to the Money Tree Publishing a catalog of books, and of course we've uh, been uh, 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 pr- uh, promoting, of course, the great impersonation by yours truly, how the Antichrist has deceived the world, and uh, the new book here is the Six Million Fact or Fiction. Six Million Fact or Fiction. We have Europa: The Last Battle. In Black and White, the book uh, written by a black man accusing the Jews, <laughs> right? And also a, a CD uh, set, The Myth of German Villainy, Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf, Henry Ford's uh, The International Jew, another book by a black man, Jews Are the Problem, etc., etc., Exposing the Lies of History. So all these books are available at MoneyTreePublishing.com. And you're not going to get this kind of information anywhere else except right here at Eurofolk Radio and at Speak Free Radio. And Money Tree Publishing is the uh, sponsoring organization for Speak Free Radio. So, folks, this is uh, where truth lives. This is where truth lives. All right, so let's get back to uh, our story here. And let me uh, – where where did we leave off here? Okay, uh, t- tackling the commodity price crisis. Is that where we left off? Yeah, that's where where we left off. Okay. So uh, let me uh, do a couple of paragraphs here, and I'll turn it back over to you. And then we'll open the lines for callers. And uh, so here, all you have to do is go to Speak Free Radio, click on the the, uh, Eurofolk Radio or Bloodlines link, and if you click on that Bloodlines link, then you should be let into our StreamYard chat room, okay, where you can actually talk to us, to, uh, talk to me and Michael. So it says here, Tan, that says Celine Tan, also highlights in the above article that, quote, a fall in commodity prices have also led to a buildup of unsustainable debt, right? So much for the sustainable development. The lack of greater revenues from exports has knock-on effects as described further above. The irony is that structural adjustments were prescribed by the IMF and the World Bank due to a debt repayment concerns in the first place. Well, the, the problem is when the IMF and World Bank lent money to countries, they're guaranteed to fail. All right? It's, it's guaranteed to fail, and the bankers know this. As debt relief and trade became major topics of discussion during the G8 summit of 2005, Yaya Orugadu, an economist from Benin, a small African country, also noted that exporting raw materials and agricultural products would not help fight poverty, right? Okay, they need to have that food right right there in their own country and these raw materials right there in their own country. Those raw materials have to be processed in the same poor country to help create a multiplier effect, which is exactly what we stated earlier, Michael. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. this is just uh, – this part just goes down. And then 
of course, in this international market that is run by Jews and they're the middleman, they're also pressing down the prices. So they have to export even more to keep up. Yes. All right. So let me continue here. Structural adjustment is the article we're reading from. And this, uh, let's see, blah, 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 uh, multiplier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is from uh, the article main, main body here. This concern also applies to larger economies. The global financial crisis that started in 2008 resulted in Brazil's exports to U.S. falling by some 42%, while it increased with China by 23%. Okay, do you think maybe that was planned? Don't you think the Rothschilds want to boost China's economy mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to Argentina and Brazil? Of course, they have done, because yes. now they are our enemies, and we are helping our enemies. They are communists, and they are, and you see, they are always the one doing the produce, production. They have this added right. value on, in their economy, but I don't know how the China economy is doing at the moment, but uh, yeah, they have been boosting that one up, their army and everything, because yeah, they're communists, they're run by them. Right. So, and mom... Well, yeah, it's not doing it very well, actually, but it's still the second largest economy in the world. And unfortunately, much of our military material is made in China as opposed to here in America. So if there, we ever do have a war with China, which is what the Rothschilds have planned, right, as a last resort, they will get the Chinese military to invade America and other countries in Europe, okay? Uh, so that's why they have to boost the Chinese economy. It's much, much easier to control one economy like China than to control all economies all over the world for military purposes, right? So that's that's the reason why they want to boost China's economy as opposed to Brazil and uh, Argentina. So the author continues, however, almost 75% of Brazil's exports to the U.S. were industrial products, whereas the opposite, about 25%, was for China. Vice President of the Brazil Foreign Trade Exchange Association explained why this is a concern to IPS. Quote, when dealing in commodities, quote, the importer decides and controls the quantity and prices, making an unstable market, right? The importer controls the prices and quantities, okay? So you you can only export so much as a a basic raw goods economy. You can only export so much, and you can't dictate how much you're going to get for it. The uh, the global supply and demand, there is still supply and demand, even in a controlled economy, in contrast to the situation with manufactured goods. Now, manufactured goods like automobiles, even though there's a decline in the economy, they they can't sell automobiles at below cost. They have to they have to make a profit on those automobiles, otherwise the economy goes bust, and uh, you know and the manufacturer goes bust. So the the global Jew cannot allow that to happen for any length of time, otherwise the economy itself, the global economy itself, goes bust. So they can they have to be able to maintain profits from manufactured goods. Next, commodities also generate low-grade jobs, whereas manufacturing employs skilled personnel for higher wages, creates a multiplier effect on employment as the production chain is longer and expands the domestic market. So in every single case, the, an economy that produces uh, you know, 
industrial goods and processes uh, raw materials into whatever is going to have gr- uh, greater uh, you know, health as an economy than simply a raw material economy. That's why Africa will never get out of the death spiral that it's in. Okay, and that's why any nation that relies on loans from international banksters will fall into this debt spiral as well. There's no way out of this, folks. There's no way out of this. Uh, These concerns are not new. Political economist Adam Smith also provided some insights in his 1776 classic, The Wealth of Nations, which is regarded as the Bible of Capitalism. He was highly critical of the mercantilist practices of the wealthy nations, while he recognized the value of local industry and the impact of imported manufactured products on local industry. Okay, do you want to quote this from Adam Smith? By the way, his book, The Wealth of Nations, is serially despised by all leftists. Okay. Uh, It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. So. Through the encouragement um, of exportation and the discouragement of importation are the two great engines by which the mercantile system um, proposes to enrich every country. Yet, with regard to some particular commodities, it seems to follow an opposite plan to discourage exportation and to encourage importation. It is... uh, It's... um, ultimate object, however, it pretends, is always the same, to enrich the country by the uh, advantageous balance of trade. And why do you want to encourage importation? <laughs> because then the middleman gets a bigger cut. That's right. <laughs> he, doesn't, he still doesn't talk about the middle middleman Jew. You know, he, still, he probably hadn't figured that out yet. It's 1776, after all. Okay, back to you. Um, it uh, discourages the exportation of the materials uh, of manufacture and of the instruments of trade in order to give our own workmen um, advantage and to enable them to undersell those of other nations in all foreign markets. And by restraining in this manner the exportation of a few commodities of no great price, it uh, proposes to occasion a great, um, much greater and more valuable exportation of other. Well, when I read it, it sounds it could be today. It's exactly what it is today. That's right. <laughs> About, so it's That's, nothing has really changed. It's called free trade. He's actually describing free trade as it exists today uh, without, uh, without including the middleman Jew <laughs> in the equation, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. And it encourages the importation of the materials uh, of manufacture in order that our own people may be enabled to work them up more cheaply and thereby prevent a greater and more valuable import- importation of the manufactured com- commodities. Okay. And that and- was from Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations. Right, okay, so I would add that uh, the, the, the sheer fact that uh, this does not, um, when a, an industrialized economy imports goods from the third world, this does not impoverish the third world. What impoverishes the third world is usury, debt, 
that's what impoverishes the third world. Ultimately, the materials, except for using the American system as a great example, the uh, American system did not impoverish Europe. Okay? We had protectionism. It protected our people. It, it protected their incomes. It protected their living standard and encouraged trade within America. Yet at the same time, European goods were still being exported to America because Americans were now able to afford European goods, right? So it doesn't impoverish other economies. They just have to adjust their economy to the free market. Free market, not free trade. There's a huge difference between the two. Ultimately, as, let's say, African countries and Chinese countries that aren't totally controlled economies, they they will import uh, like manufacturing processes from America, which is what exactly happened. Shipbuilding, they can do their own ship own shipbuilding. They can make their own widgets if they need widgets locally. There's nothing to stop them from doing that. Okay? But if they're constantly in debt to the banksters, they don't have money for investment. You see? They don't have money for investment if they're constantly in debt. And this is the Jewish system of economics, folks. So let me pick it up here. And uh, reading the above, we can say that structural adjustment of policies are also mercantilists. In other words, it's, it's the mercantilists, the, uh, the people who move uh, goods around. We are constantly told that we live in a world of global capitalism, and yet we see that while free markets are preached in Adam Smith's name, mercantilism is still practiced. What mercantilism is free trade, folks, where they manipulate markets, and the middlemen are the ones who profit in both directions. Right? They first of all, like for for example, in America, they destroyed our steel industry by importing. Japanese steel, which was uh, assisted by government support. The Japanese steel industry was subsidized by the Japanese government. Therefore, they were able to produce steel more cheaply than American steel producers. But this is manipulating the market, folks. That's market manipulation. It's not free market. It's government-assisted market, which uh, you know destroys free enterprise. All right, that, that's one example. Another example is uh, the exportation of the, the brain drain from you know, California. What was that area of California where all of the computer stuff was being produced? Okay, and uh, then import, exporting that to India for much uh, cheaper labor costs, okay? So they can export jobs. They can export whole industries to the third world if they want to and impoverish the people who invented the processes in the first place, right? That's what's been happening to America for now over 70 years because this process began in the 60s and 70s, and there's no change in sight because the Jews control this process of job exportation. Another example is manufacturing the facilities were picked up and moved wholesale to Mexico. So putting Americans out of work and then hiring Mexicans at maybe one-tenth of the rate they had to pay American workers, the people who developed the industry. All right, this is total exploitation, folks. Total exploitation. This is why we need protectionism. If we had had protectionism in place, the Jews would not have been able to export 
whole industries away from America and, and place them into third world countries. Okay, and and I would say the same happening in other industries now as well. This is done now as well with the if we look at the, what I say more the engineering and architectural works to for example producing yeah drawings producing and doing the design work that is also now exported to uh, abroad to making India and Poland and making India doing a lot of this work. So this is done on other other markets as well. It's just it just goes on and on and on. So yeah. this and it's the same modus operandi as you're telling. It's the same one now as it was as then. So it's just uh, they just keep on on other other industries now. Yes. Okay. So uh, we're getting close to about thirty minutes <laughs> left. And uh, if you go to Speak Free Radio and uh, scroll down to the live simulcast uh, image, which is uh, Bloodlines which has the tree of life on it. <laughs> and you click on that image, uh, that should take you right into our, uh, into our speak free radio chat room here on, uh, on uh, StreamYard. It should take you right to the StreamYard show that we're doing right now. All right. So uh, please continue, Michael, and, and I'll just keep uh, watching to see if anybody joins us on StreamYard. No, I a bit missed where where did you stop? Did you, oh. you you read the whole one after Adam Smith? You have this little uh, video, and then uh, after the video, right? Okay, uh, um, okay. I think uh, it was uh, uh, mercantilism is still practiced right underneath the Adam Smith uh, quotation. So, and uh, so the second paragraph after Adam Smith. Uh huh. Okay, there. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. Okay. Of course, uh, today it is a bit more complicated too. We do have, for example, uh, products being exported from the poor countries, bracket, albeit some uh, facing high barriers in the rich nations and the bracket, but exporting rather than first uh, creating and developing local industri industry and economy means the quote, developing and unquote, counter losses out in the long run. Yeah, it doesn't get developed. It doesn't get developed, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another fraudulent term. You know, calling these third world economies developing countries when all you're doing is exploiting their natural resources and not developing any industry. Again, there's another fraudulent term. Yes, it is. And you're only exploiting them. You're only that's taking right. and, and exploiting their lower wages so you can make a cut between it. Yeah, so see, you can see the devious language the Jews employ for everything they do. To always make something that's evil look good. Oh, yeah. They're experts um, at this. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's they're good at. Most yeah, of right. that. <laughs> yeah, right. Pig Latin. Uh, I forget the term, the actual term for it. Dog Latin. That's what it is. Dog Latin, where they create false terminology to make evil look good. Right? Mm -hmm. Dog Latin. All right, back to you. So hardly developing uh, because there is little multiply effect of money circulating within uh, the country, as mentioned above. Furthermore, uh, with labor being paid less than their far wages in the poorer nations, wealth is still accumulated by and concentrated in the richer nations. Right. Or, or by the importers and exporters who, and the middlemen who are the Jews. Okay. This is this is where the real money is. It's the middlemen, the middlemen, because often these middlemen also control the manufacturing facilities and the shipping, 
facilities, etc. You know, the Jews control shipping all over the world. And railroads, the Rothschilds got rich building the railroads in Europe. The Rockefellers got rich here in America building the railroads and then exploiting the oil, right? So typically, all of these industries are either owned and run by Jews or they finance these industries and therefore profit from them either directly or indirectly, all right? So again, the central banks and their Negative effect on the world economy is never discussed anywhere on any media. For mo- for most people listening to this show today, they've probably never heard how this system actually works. Okay? So that's why we're here is to explain these things. And, and obviously, in, among the Judeo-Christian ministry, I don't think there's a single one that has a you know has studied an economics course. And if they have, they would get the Jewish version of economics, not the biblical version of economics, right? So the churches are pretty much useless in exposing this evil. Okay. All right, please continue. And there's, just want to point out, there is another fallacy of the church today. They are not the watchmen at the wall. They don't educate their flock with truth. They don't. They are, they just, they just do the work for the Jew because the Jew pay them um, to do those sermons. They, they use, probably the sermon is made by Jews, so they preach the, the Jewish made sermons. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's right. And so okay. they would never tell those stuff. And maybe this, if they would speak about this, this is interesting. Maybe that would get some more people into the pews, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> because now it's interesting. Now it's now you can apply uh, it. No, uh, no, no. It can't be interesting. It's got to be dull and boring. <laughs> that's how you. That's how you drive people away from the churches. Yeah, of course. Right. That's what you want to. Yeah, and make them pure consumers. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Only okay. consumers. <laughs> And be like, live like the devil during the day, during the weeks. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. So, yes. uh, the luckiest nut in the world is an eight-minute video. Sorry, no transcript available, as far as I know. Uh, produced by uh, Emily James. It's a cartoon animation explaining the effects of loans, structural adjustment, and um, cash crops, and their impacts on poor countries. It traces how... Um, Snegel was encouraged to grow nuts for export. In summary, as a poor nation without many many resources, it took out loans to help developing the industry. Other nations saw this was going well, so they followed suit. The price of the nut started to drop, and Snegel um, faced <laughs> debt uh, repayment problems. Uh, Senegal. Okay, so uh, it's Senegal. Kind, of, kind of reminds me of the Dutch tulip hyperinflation, right? So uh, for some reason, the, the Dutch were getting high prices for tulips, okay? And it, 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 the tulips became such a commodity that they were actually exchanged as money, you know, because the tulips were, were drawing so much in exchange. Well, then other people, other countries started growing tulips, and all of a sudden the, the, the tulips became almost worthless, right? And so this is how, quote-unquote, Developing the same commodity in multiple co- in multiple countries actually will depress the market. Okay. Yeah. Just let just let nature do its thing. Let the people who know how to grow nuts <laughs> grow the nuts. Pick their own nuts, put them in boxes, and ship them off to whoever wants to buy them. Okay. Local products for local prices exported by the local people. That's how the economy should work, folks. No middleman. 
No middleman. That's no that's middleman. the problem. No, that, the middleman is the problem. The Jew middleman. All right. Please continue. So, structural adjustments uh, policies were put in place, cutting spending and reducing government involvement in the nut industry and elsewhere. However, things got worse. Uh, at the same time, rich countries such as the U.S. were subsidizing their own nut and other in- industries, allowing them to gain in market share around the world. Rich countries have uh, tools such as uh, trade uh, tariffs and the threat of um, sanctions at their disposal to help their industries if needed. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, America has not done that since the Jews have taken over our economy. But this shows how you know, uh, trying to invest in the third world economy in terms of de- developing them has never worked and will never work. Because as long as you have debt money attached to any commodity, that that will eventually cause that country to go bankrupt. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because it's not sustainable. Even though the Jews like to use that word sustainable, it's not sustainable. All right, back to you. Yes, thank you. So, thus, we are in a situation where the rich promote a system of free trade for everyone else to follow, while mercantilism is often practiced for themselves. Oh, right. hypocrisy. Yep. Yep. Qu- uh, quote, yeah. free trade, end of quote, is promoted by the rich and influential as the means for all nations to achieve uh, prosperity and development. Yeah, that's the propaganda, right? That's all it is. It's propaganda. Uh, the wealth accumulations by the rich accountants is uh, the past is attributed to this policy to strengthen this idea. Yeah, well, no, the the wealth of nations is not achieved by free trade. The wealth of a nation is achieved by protectionism. It's the international traders and their free trade policy, which creates wealth for them, but not for the nations, okay? Because the nations, typically their, their products and their raw materials are exploited by free trade. Okay, this is, again, I can't say this often enough. America became the richest country on the face of the earth through protectionism, not through free trade. Back to you, Michael. Yes, and that's that would also be a big hinder for the Jews if you had this oh, protectionism. Because right. then you can just protect your inner market. Then you couldn't do exporting like they did with your steel industry. They couldn't export our big industries like our car industries has been now right. driven away. And our, our now the heavy industry is being driven away to China. They couldn't have done that because then if the government would have good, they could protect their own. But they don't. They want to get rid of us. Yeah. Free trade is just another one of those false slogans that is not the same as free enterprise, folks. Don't believe for one second that free trade means free enterprise. Okay, free enterprise is when the government issues the currency and the bankers earn nothing from the currency. That And the free trade is when the bankers control everything. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, the wealth accumulated by the rich accountants in the past is attributed to this policy to strengthen this idea. Yeah, but that's a lie. Uh, free trade has never created wealth for any country. Back to you. That such immense wealth was accumulated not so much from free trade, but from the violent and uh, age-old mercant- mercantile or, quote, monopoly capitalism, end of quote. This is 
is ignored. Right. So, again, people don't know actual history and they don't know economics to understand what's really good. Now, I have to tell you, uh, when I was uh, a young man in the f- six, late 60s, early 70s, I already understood this, <laughs> right? And that free trade was was a bogus idea because it, it totally conflicts with free trade capitalism, all right? And it's it's manipulated economy by the globalists. Uh, I, I was not fooled by the language. And yet, you know, but if you go to college, you will learn the exact opposite, that free trade is good. Okay. Yeah, uh, because right. the college is run by Jews, and they want to promote the Jewish ideas of free trade. Right. Yeah, and my mother idolized uh, Richard Nixon, and when Ni- Richard Nixon went to China to open up "quote unquote" free trade with China, right? I told my mother what Nixon is doing here is evil. He is he is actually kowtowing to the Jews. Because this is not going to benefit America. It's only going to benefit the middlemen and China. Okay? And that's the way it's worked out, folks. All right, back to you. Yeah. Uh, such systems are being uh, practiced again today. And even though they are claimed to be Adam Smith-style free trade, They're not. they are the, the very... Uh, uh, they Sorry. are the very system that Adam Smith himself criticized and attacked. There you go. Yeah, everybody uh, everybody quotes Adam Smith, right? Uh, pretending that free trade is free markets. No, it's not. Or, no, it's or, not. It's free um, enterprise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1991, Larry Summers, then chief economist for the World Bank, Brackett, and U.S. Treasury Secretary in the Clinton administration until George Bush and the Republican Party came into power, and the Brackett, had been strong backer of structural adjustments policies, he wrote in an internal memo. Quote, Just between you and me, shouldn't the World Bank be encouraging more migration of dirty industries to the LDCs? Bracket, less developed countries, and the bracket. The economic logic behind dumping a load of toxic waste in the lowest uh, wage country is impeasable. Impeccable. I think he's being being facetious here because the economic logic behind dumping a load of toxic waste in the lowest wage country is impeccable. Well, yeah, that's uh, that we can get rid of our toxic sludge by shipping it to third world countries and having them turn it into something useful, right? He's it, it, actually he's actually being facetious here, but and then he we should face up to that. But actually, his first sentence is accurate. Just between you and me, shouldn't the World Bank be encouraging more migration of dirty industries to the l- less developed countries? Well, if you mean by dirty, you know, like. Uh, Farming, uh, and uh, you know whatever uh, you know, mining, that sort of stuff. Yeah, because you know, the third world could use that kind of stuff, but they don't have the capacity to develop it. All right, please continue. And we should face up to that. Underpopulated uh, countries in Africa are vastly underpolluted. Uh, Their air quality is probably vastly. Efficiently <laughs> low compared to Los Angeles or Mexico City. The concern over an agent that causes a one in a million change in the odds of uh, 
prostate cancer is obviously going to be much higher in a country where people survive to get prostate cancer than in a country where under five uh, mortality is 200 per, uh, per thousand. Okay, so I guess the children in third world countries uh, that die under the age of five is 200 per thousand. That's what? That's uh, 1%, 2%, something like that. It's very high. Okay, so <laughs> let me quote this, this article. Lauren Summers, let them eat pollution. The Economist, February 8, 1992. Yeah, he's being he's being facetious here, but uh, you know it's actually stating economic facts. That uh, yeah, why well, why don't we export export our toxic sludge to the third world and let them deal with the pollution, right? Okay. So when looked at in this light, poverty is more than simple economic issues. It is also an ideological construct, and it's deliberately caused by the banksters. All right, back to you, Michael. Eat, earn more, eat less. That's kind of what happens here in America. Yeah. So, yeah. quote, half a world away, racket from Zambia and a racket in Washington. The architects of this human disaster dine in comfort and uh, seclusion, uh, spending more on one meal than uh, Masuo's uh, Peter's wife makes in a year of selling uh, buns in their uh, uh, shanty town. Although most World Bank uh, staff works in its Washington headquarters, those unlucky enough to be posted in the third world receive ample compensation for their misfortunes. <laughs> Just to be employed in a third world country for the World Bank is a misfortune. That's how poor these countries really are, and they're not getting any richer. Yeah, this includes subsidizing housing, bracket, complete with free furnishing, and a bracket, an extended, quote, assignment grant, and a quote, of $25,000, and a quote, mobility premium, and a quote, to defray the cost of child education. Salaries are tax-free and averaged at $6,000 in 1995, according to a General Accounting Office report to Congress. No, quote, structural adjustment, and a quote, then for this privilege. Uh, <laughs> of banks, bankers, and policy analysts. Meanwhile, in Africa, hidden genocide lays waste the continent. Yep. Yeah. It is not right uh, for a bank to run the whole world. Ah, yeah. it isn't. It isn't. <laughs> and that says Fred M. Member, editor of the Zambia Post. Quote: They do not represent anybody other than the countries that control them well no the 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 countries don't control the banks it's the other way around yes okay. yeah uh, okay what this means um in practice is that the united states runs out of counters and quote he continues quote look at any african country today and you will find that the uh, figures are uh, swinging down, education standards are going down, health standards going down, and infrastructure is literally breaking up. End of yeah, quote. Because they're exporting all the commodities that are required for those things, right? Yeah, but he he misunderstands. He thinks the America is the problem. No, it's the bankers that are the problem. 
because we have the same problem. He just doesn't realize it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. And the next, the next paragraph is very telling. Please continue. In some countries, more is spent on debt uh, servicing than education. For example, even in the former uh, communist countries that are trying to undergo rapid economic, quote, reform, and no quote, education is given uh, a backseat. In fact, the UK-based Development and Relief Organization, uh, Oxfam, goes as far as saying that the IMF policies deny children an education. There you go. Since the end of the Cold Cold War, even wealthy nations have... um, seen government rollback on further functions in a similar style to structural adjustments. John uh, McMurthy uh, captures this well, being very critical on the impact of such adjustments on, quote, life requirements, end quote. Um, Quote, such systematic overriding of life requirements is now clearly evident from the most undeveloped to the most advanced societies of the world. In the case of Canada, again, infant mortality rates, the uh, quintessential quintessential, uh, indicator of social health, rose an astonishing 43% in the 1995 statistics Canada figures. The first record uh, rise in over 31 years, while child poverty had increased by 46% since 1989. In Africa, an estimated 500,000 more children died from the imposed um, restructuring of their countries. Economists um, to ensure increased flows of money to external banks while spending on health care declining by 50% and on education by 25% since these structural adjustment programs began. No, it's caused by white colonialism. It's caused by white privilege. Right? Yeah, but it's hard to say that now when we are gone, we are not there. And when yeah. we are gone, they want us to come back and they have instead Jewish slavery. And that's congratulations, right. that's what you got. Every liberal needs to read this article to get some economic sense drubbed into their heads. All right, please continue. And, and this was from John McCarthy, Unequal Freedoms, the Global Markets and its Ethical System. It's unethical. Uh, unethical, yes. It should be, yeah. Yeah, Um, And as the crisis of AIDS gets worse in Africa, measures (laughs) that reduces health budgets in all of the poor uh, countries contribute to the problems. Uh, Bracket, see this site section on AIDS in Africa for more on that issue. And bracket, what is the IMF World Bank uh, prescription? Uh, Quote. Well, here, before before you go there, what what about COVID? This phony... Uh, this phony outbreak hadn't that affected the world economy uh, adversely as well? T- uh, tell me about it, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. Suicide. Uh, yeah. Now th- that's white privilege. White suicide has increased as a result. Um, because I also think now, when this, um, as you say, um, now, uh, COVID, what that did, I guess, that just break, it, not break, it, it's, uh, it put some breaks on the economy because their economy was going into a hyperinflation, so they want to cool it down. I guess that was one of the reasons with COVID. They wanted to cool off the economy because it was, uh, that was, that's my, a bit my, how I view it, that their economy was going very, very, 
into an inflationary modes and now and when people are dying that is very deflationary activities their economic activity stops okay so that creates that a lot of deflation right well deflation uh, all that means is that the price of commodities falls okay uh, in spite of uh, monetary inf- uh, you you can if you can't get anything for your raw materials let's say uh and that will your commodity prices will fall in spite of inflation, okay? And uh, so it, it all depends on what the bankers do with the money. They create money, spend it into circulation. That's called inflation, folks. There's no other cause of inflation except that bankers cause inflation by spending too much money into circulation. Uh, you know that's been. Milton Friedman, Milton Friedman, even though he's Jewish, he stated that very clearly, that it's the bankers who cause inflation by putting too much money into circulation. Yeah, right. and people, they, when they hear that, I don't know if they hear it, they, I guess they, they don't understand it. I don't know why they don't react. Yeah, yeah, it, does, it goes over their heads. It goes under their feet. <laughs> it goes in one ear and out the other, right? Their brains don't process that information. Yeah, okay. yeah, I and mean, that's unfortunate how it is. And people are, they don't care really because why? Yeah. They, they, it doesn't affect them. They think they have a good life, you know. Yeah. They have everything they need. Why, why yeah. would I care, you know? I have no problems. So, but that I think is the only way, that's one of the ways that Yahweh can yeah. wake his people up, yeah. stomp on their wallets hard, they're, they're really right. hard. On, right, there you go. Stomp on their wallet or pick their pockets, which is actually what inflation does. It picks everybody's pocket by devaluing the currency in your wallet. Now, if you point out to you know, Judeo-Christians and others that these banksters that are causing all this havoc are Jews, then they call you an anti-Semite. Yeah, they don't want to listen. Oh, I only hear Jews now. I only hear <laughs> right? Jews. Yeah. Okay. Do some research and you will find <laughs> out when you dig and you find every evil upon earth, you will find a Jew behind it. Yeah, that's right. But they that's hide right. it behind frontmen. They have this Gentile oh, yeah. as they yeah. use frontmen. So you don't see the Jew right. behind the politics. Right. And in, in, in the banks, some banks, of course, don't have, some of them are are Jews outright. Yeah. Like yeah. this Goldman Sachs. Um, right. CEO, he is Jewish, but otherwise they are they hide behind it, so you don't realize it. Yeah, and they pretend to be Saxons, right? Goldman Sachs, right? The Anglo, what are the Anglo? What do you call it? The, the Anglo British Corporation that uh, ruled South Africa. It's run by Jews. There's nothing Anglo. There's nothing British about it. It's a Jewish corporation, but by calling it that, the people look at that. Oh. That's white colonialism. Now, again, Jewish deception. Yes. That's what the, the beast that deceiveth the whole world. Judaism. Back to you, Michael. Yeah. And this is all something of those, uh, those come, that came before us to say that um, our reading this book, Satan, Prince of This World by William Guy Carr. And he seems to not think it is a Jewish conspiracy. I don't know why he doesn't see that the Jews were behind this conspiracy. So he, he a bit right. hides for them and say, oh, it's only Illuminati, but right. there are yeah. all Jews. Right. They're all Jews. Right. Yeah. Maybe he got flack. You know, for for publishing the book and had to take the Jews out of it, right, in order to get it published. But at least he's getting really close, right? Well, the same thing is true of the so-called incredibly evil Khazarian mafia, 
<laughs> so yeah. many, so many people have heard that expression, but when they, t when you tell them, well, these Khazars are actually Jews, then you're an anti-Semite, right? <laughs> <So you laughs> yeah, they, and they don't, they don't want to hear anymore. They don't want to see it. No, they, no, they, no. they run away. They no, find the door fast. Yeah, now he said too much. much. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Don't wake me up, you know. And they yeah, have songs that say yeah. that. Don't right. wake me up. I don't know the song, but I hear songs that yeah, are like right. that. Don't wake me up. Now, okay. I know why I don't want to be wake yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, let's continue. So, yes. a quote. The IMF has prescribed the same medicine for troubled third world economies for over two decades. Uh, uh, monetary uh, yeah, this uh, this is 1999. It hasn't gotten any better, folks. It's gotten worse. All it right, has been continue. worse. So monetary yes. austenticity. Tighten up the money supply to increase internal interest rates um, to uh, whatever <laughs> heights needed to stabilize the value of the local currency. Okay, now Tighten stabilizing the value of the currency means there's going to be less of it. Right. Yeah. So they 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 suck you in with inflation, inflationary spending, right? And then once you're hooked on their debt policies, then they remove the uh, currency from the economy. That gets you means you can't pay back the debt. You see yeah. how it works? Yeah. That they they call that monetary austerity, right? They stimulate the economy with inflation and sometimes hyperinflation. And then after they get the economy going and the, the, the people have used up all of their natural resources and they, and they can't export any more stuff, then they have monetary austerity and the country goes bankrupt. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and then all we right. have fiscal austerity. Increase tax collection and reduce government spending dramatically. Right. Yeah. Privatization, sell off public enterprise to the private sector. That is to the Jewish sector. Yeah, that is exactly. That is, this privatization yeah. is just a uh, yeah, Jewish uh, baloney yeah. stuff. Right. Uh, and financial liberalization, remove restrictions on the inflow and out of international capital, as well as restrictions on what foreign businesses and bankers are allowed to buy, own, and operate. All right, so ultimately it results in total control of the economy. Yeah, and this will only make it worse. All this, this stuff will only make it worse. Right. This remove restrictions on inflow and outflow. This is also this free trade there to That's get right. rid of the boundaries. That's right. This yes, will only correct. make it worse for them. To, to exploit the poor countries even more and make the profits and charge the uh, importing countries higher rates than they would otherwise. You know, if, as we said earlier, if the, the people in Africa would produce, box, and ship the, what they have to offer, they would make much more money that way than putting it on the international market. Right? And it would be cheaper for us to buy, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Free trade, folks, is simply the uh, catchword of the international Jewish middleman to maximize profits on both ends. Okay, they're they're the wholesalers, right? So the uh, let's say the uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, the onions and sweet potatoes, kohlrabi, what have you, exported from uh, Africa must go into the hands of a Jewish middleman 
So he buys it for as cheap a rate as he possibly can. Then he turns around and sells it to the uh, Western market for as much as they possibly can, and they profit twice. That's called wholesaling, as it's run by Jews. All right, back to you. Almost out of time. This is good stuff, folks. This is a really good economics lesson today. Back, back to you. Only when government signs this, quote, structural adjustment agreement, and unquote, does the IMF agree to lend enough itself to prevent default on international loans that are about to come due and otherwise would be unpayable. Right. So in other words, the more debt. They borrow money to pay off the current debt, but they still haven't paid off their debt, right? They incur more debt. Uh, this is this is supposed to solve the economic problems of the country. No, I don't really. It doesn't yeah. sound like this is worse than it. That's right. Uh, arrange a restructuring of the country's debt among private international lenders. That includes a pledge of new loans. There you go. More loans. That's the answer, folks. So why is the world economy trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt? Because of this system. Because of this exact system. And there will have to be another crash, folks. There will have to be another crash. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. But the Rothschilds are going to try to manage the crash so that they lose the least amount during the crash. But the uh, people of every country are going to suffer and uh, it's going to get really bad because th that crash is coming because they want to destabilize white countries the most by this by staging this crash so better have your uh, toilet paper and and your gold and silver and your uh, uh, prepper goods handy because you're going to need them real soon all right back to you Okay, so, and now this comes, this Joseph uh, Stiglitz, it sounds, I don't know if he's Jewish. Um, could be. Right. Is one of the most cited economists in the world. The former winner of the Nobel Prize for Economics and a professor at Columbia. Oh, it's music. Yes. Okay, yeah, so we're going to have to pick this up next time. Uh, Joseph Stiglitz, we're going to have to wait. Thanks for listening, everybody. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Oh, stay tuned for the David and Duke show coming up on Street Free Radio.